So, we began this year, 2018, talking about vision, right? And I laid out a vision statement for the church that I believe God's given to me. Um, and if there's anyone that wants to take a crack at reciting it. Okay. I'm going to be drinking a lot of coffee. Um, but that vision contains a number of direct and indirect references to the importance, even the necessity, of the entire body being plugged in and working toward that vision. It's kind of what Mark was just talking about. And then, so from there on, we moved into this series that we're doing now, which is on spiritual habits. And we covered the first, which was the necessity of reading Scripture, and then the second, which was the necessity uh, of prayer as habits that we should all cultivate. And so, as he just said, next Sunday Mark's going to conclude this little mini-series that he's been doing as well um, with a full sermon about and wrapping up sort of what he's been talking about regarding spiritual gifts. So today really is kind of both a precursor to his message next week and a culmination of our current series. So kind of both of those things going on here. And as I mentioned a moment ago, this third spiritual habit is a linchpin of sorts. Because the full expression of every spiritual gift, which is part of our vision statement, can't happen without it. But equally as important is the individual necessity of it in the life of every Christian. And the habit I'm referring to is the habit of gathering together as a community. Now, 1 Peter 5.8 gives us one of the clearest pictures in Scripture of how the devil operates. And it says, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Okay. Now I want you to keep that verse in mind and watch this. Lions have great vision. The brightest sunshine won't blind them, and in low light, they can see six times better than humans. They can hear prey from a mile away, and their sense of smell is so keen, they can tell how recently the prey passed. Lions will take on prey more than twice their size. A full-grown zebra can weigh nearly half a ton. One kick from those hooves can break a lion's jaw. Lions are sprinters, not marathoners. They can hit 35 miles an hour, but only for a few seconds. So they team up, approaching their prey from different angles. Zebras learn to keep their distance, but one zebra is about to violate the first rule of the safari. Always stay with the group. 
can use your imagination and <laughs> sort of figure out what happens next. But I felt like that was probably a good place to stop this. I don't think it's much of a stretch if I say that given what it says in 1 Peter 5.8, this same rule applies equally to believers as it does to zebras. The first rule of safari is what? Always stay with the group. Like the unfortunate zebra in our little film clip, if we let ourselves become isolated, we become more vulnerable to attacks of the enemy. And it's a sad but true fact that the church has emphasized a personal relationship with God to the point that many people who call themselves Christians think church is optional. But intentional Christian community is a non-negotiable part of being a healthy and effective believer. John Wesley once said, Christianity is not a religion for solitude and solitary. The Bible knows nothing of solitary religion. Gathering on Sunday morning and in life groups is a spiritual habit that many people tend to think of more as a nice-to-have than a need-to-have. And what you will see in the scriptures is that that thinking is just plain wrong. So if you have a Bible and would like to turn to it, we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25. Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. We've got it <clears throat> up on the screen, too. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure this is from the NIV, if I remember correctly. But it says, this is Hebrews 10, 20, starting at verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. If I were to kind of just try to sum up what the author of Hebrews is saying here, it would be this. Connecting with authentic community is necessary for a victorious life, Christian life, faith life. So, as we're in the habit of doing, we want to ask a question about this text. And the question that I think we should ask in this case is, how? How does connecting with authentic community produce victorious faith? How does that happen? Well, I think we're going to find out that the text gives us three answers, and there's one in each of the verses that are there. First of all, it tells us that it helps us to maintain spiritual consistency. Second, that it spurs you on. And third, it's a source of encouragement. Okay, So those are the three things that we're going to learn here. So let's look at the first one now. Connecting with authentic community produces victorious faith by helping you to maintain spiritual consistency. And that's where um, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. We sort of assume that it was Paul, but it truly is unknown. But verse 23 says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Now, as I thought about this verse this week, I got this picture of and you could kind of put yourself in this, of a car driving down 
a very long, straight road. And this is the kind of road that you tend to find out west, I think, you know, in those states that are very sort of wide open. Uh, I remember I've driven through Texas, and it's like that in Texas, where the roads just like go on forever. Um, and so you are at the wheel of this car driving down this long, straight road. But you have members of the spiritual community in the car with you. I don't know how big your car is, but let's just assume there's several in there. And together, the members of this spiritual community represent decades of living as a Christian. So collectively, they have dealt with many, if not most, of life's hardest things. Uh, the death of loved ones, divorce, money problems, child problems, spouse problems, job problems, even faith problems. So you're driving along, staying in your lane, and suddenly up ahead, something seems to be blocking the road. And every instinct within you is telling you to swerve off the road and out of the way. But oddly, the people in the car are telling you to just stay in your lane and keep driving. Not oddly, but predictably, your response is, are you blind, crazy, or both? To which they reply, neither. Just keep driving and don't swerve. Everything will be fine. So you do. And amazingly, when you get to what seemed to be this solid blockage in the road, you pass right through it like it was vapor. You saw what was in the road as an impassable obstacle. But the folks in the car with you could discern otherwise. And the reason they knew what to do was because together they possessed all those years of spiritual consistency. Being in community with them will keep you moving forward unswervingly. And it also builds up your spiritual consistency. See, if holding on to the promises of God just depended on personal commitment, we would all be in trouble. The call to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess is a reminder that our salvation has yet to be fully realized and that our lives are to be controlled by the hope we profess. Now this is important in particular to those who would have been reading Hebrews at the time that it was written. Because the opponents of, these, of this early church insisted that they were supposed to return to the ritual observances practiced by the Jews in their city and therefore compromise the absolute sufficiency of Jesus. In addition, it was probably a little bit easier to swerve in those early days because there was no New Testament for them to read. A lot of those books may not have even been written yet. Yet the Christians then and the Christians today had good reason to hold on to their confession. And the reason is, he who promised is faithful. God made the promise. Because God is faithful, we know that what he promised will come to pass. 
Now, there might be times when Christians feel like quitting or giving up. But during those times, verse 23 encourages us to remember God's faithfulness. And because there are times when things get so difficult that we want to start swerving all over the road to avoid hitting all these things that we're seeing, we need the community to be there, reminding us that we can get through the obstacles because of the hope we profess. So how do you develop the ability to hold onto that wheel and to keep the vehicle going straight down the road even when it looks like you know, a sure accident is going to happen. How do we do that? How do we stay faithful to Jesus during life's stormy days? Well, I think first we practice the habit of meditation in, on God's Word. I think we've talked about that recently. Memorize verses of Scripture. Wonder over those promises during the day. Sing a little praise for God's promises. Should also practice the habit of prayer. That should also sound familiar. An important one that we'll talk a little bit more about is to practice the habit of transparency with God and with others. You know, when you feel happy, express it. But if you feel down, say so. When the storms hit, the worst response possible is a veneer of gaiety covering all this misery inside. Just be honest. You know, we sort of pride ourselves at this church, at least I do, and I don't know, maybe that's a sin, (laughs) but uh, of cultivating this atmosphere of authenticity where it's okay to say, hey, I screwed up, or hey, I'm not perfect, or, you know, I did this or that, or I didn't do this or that. But it's okay because we also are not afraid to say, we're right there with you. And lastly, practice the habit of connecting with authentic community because it is what will help you to maintain spiritual consistency. Next, connecting with authentic community produces victorious faith by spurring you on. Now, I was lucky enough to actually get my hands on, thanks to Clyde and Christy, to a couple of a pair of spurs I had actually never really seen a, a real, real life set before. So, and trust me, you can come up and look at these later, but trust me when I say that if someone were sitting on your back and suddenly with their heels planted these in your rib cage, it wouldn't be a great feeling. So, imagine these little spikes getting jammed into your rib cage from the full strength of that cowboy's legs if you were a horse. But see, spurring one another on is exactly what verse 24 says we're supposed to do. Sometimes authentic community can be a little painful. Because we have to be honest with ourselves and with other people. And we have to be honest about the junk that's in our lives. And that's generally going to be pretty uncomfortable. 
at least at the very beginning. But you know what? We all need a swift kick in the pants every once in a while. As Christians, we have a corporate responsibility. We are supposed to help the ones who stumble and falter. We've got to concentrate more on the needs of others and less on our own individual salvation. And this verse is telling us that there's two specific areas in which we have to focus. Love and good deeds. We're supposed to act lovingly towards other believers. And we are to perform good deeds, both of which are designed to attract others to Jesus. And as you know, at least I hope you do, that love is not an emotion, but a choice to act, regardless of your feelings. Same with good deeds, really. I mean, you can still choose to do a good deed even when you don't really feel like doing it. Now, a question here. Is it just me? Or do you go through times when you just don't feel very loving towards other people? Okay. <laughs> then I have found the perfect job for me. Pastor. Yeah, we love our pastor. He doesn't care about anybody. <laughs> You all are going to hell, you know, for saying that. <laughs> but see, it's during those times that you're not feeling very loving towards others that, that doing something nice for them is probably the very last thing on your mind. But the way this church thing is supposed to work is that when you're feeling like that, you what? You tell somebody. We just talked about transparency and being authentic. So you tell someone. You don't come in here and pretend you've got it all together because we already know you don't. And the reason we know that is because we don't either. And so you tell someone so they can pray for you and help you remember that being a Christian isn't about following our feelings, it's about following our Jesus. And believe me, I know he didn't feel like going through what he did on Good Friday, which was the ultimate good deed and act of love. Connecting with authentic community produces victorious faith by spurring you on to do the things you don't feel like doing because it really is what Jesus would do. Third and finally, connecting with authentic community produces victorious faith by being a source of encouragement. Verse 25 says, oh, thank you. There we go. Verse 25 says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The implication of this verse is that some of the readers of Hebrews were neglecting to get together for worship and fellowship, and this limited their ability to give and to receive encouragement toward good works and towards love. 
Now, persecution may have led some of the believers to drop out of that fellowship. But the remedy that Hebrews is saying that they needed was not to drop out, but to drop in and start meeting again. Christians who meet together with the aim of promoting godliness and love for one another can be remarkably successful in what they do. When I was growing up, no one tried to compete with church for that Sunday morning time slot. Our church was right across the street <clears throat> from one of those newfangled indoor shopping malls. Believe it or not, kids, we didn't always have those. That was kind of a new thing in the 60s. And um, it was always kind of remarkable because it had this giant parking lot and it was completely empty on Sunday mornings. Never at any, at any other time, but Sunday mornings, I mean, you could shoot a cannon through the thing and you wouldn't hit a soul. But that slot is now regarded as an open time that can be filled by almost any recreational activity. And what we forget is that gathering together for worship is both an essential witness to Christ as well as a valuable time for spiritual nourishment. Do you want to grow as a Christian? Hopefully the answer is yes. Well, theologian and author Eugene Peterson says, there can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from an immersion in and embrace of community. I am not myself by myself. So first of all, don't try to do it alone. You've been called to participate in this wonderful body, the church. You've got a large group of brothers and sisters. <clears throat> Second, don't try to squeeze church into your busy schedule. Make it a priority. <coughs> Sorry. And finally, don't rationalize it when you skip church. Worshiping God with a body of believers cannot be substituted with personal study or watching a church service on television unless physical limitations are preventing you from attending. So I don't want to ignore that. Sometimes people just can't get here, and that's okay. Now, one of the best reasons for attending, at least so the verse tells us, is that it's a time to receive encouragement. Believers ought to be quicker to offer a word of encouragement to a brother and sister than we typically are to offer a word of judgment against a brother or sister. A word of encouragement offered at the right moment can be the difference between staying strong in the faith and collapsing along the way. Now the Bible gives us numerous examples of encouragement and commands for believers to encourage each other. Uh, we haven't done this in a while. We've got a few Bibles out there, so I need some I need some reader volunteers. Who would like to volunteer? You've got apps. I know you got 
Bibles on your apps. So, all right. So keep your hands up until I call on you so I can see who's got one. All right, Michael, take Deuteronomy 3.28. All right, well, just remember Deuteronomy. I'm going to assign everybody, and then I'll come back to you. Deuteronomy 3.8. All right. Trell, Acts 4.36. Who else? Uh, Darlene. Doreen, um, Acts 15.32. Oh, there's Melissa. Uh, Romans 12, verse 6, and then jump down to verse 8. So verse 6 and verse 8. Rich, did I see your hand? Romans 15, verses 4 through 5. 15. Chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. Uh, Cliff, Ephesians 6.22. Ray, 1 Thessalonians 3.2. You need a few more. Brittany, 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. 2 Timothy 4, verse 2. Fran, Philemon 1.7. Or if your Bible says Philemon, you can go there. (laughs) Then I'd say it's time for lunch. (laughs) All right, anybody else? Lenny, Hebrews 3.13. I need one more. Great. 1 Peter 5.12. Rebecca's going to do 1 Peter. All right. So now we're going to go through these. All right, Michael, you ready? Deuteronomy 3.28. This is from the NIV. So at that time we took from these two kings of the Amorites the territory east of the Jordan, from the Arnon Gorge as far as Mount Hermon. Is that Deuteronomy 3.28? Yes. Oh, no, no, 328. (laughs) My fault. Mea culpa. Great, thank you. All right, now Acts 4.36. Perfect, son of encouragement. Acts 15.32. Thank you. I think it's Melissa, Romans 12, verse 6, and then verse 8. Thank you. 
Note the one who exhorts in his exhortation. Uh, Romans 15, 4 and 5. Rich. Great, thank you. Cliff, I think it was Ephesians 6.22. Great. First Thessalonians, <laughs> why I stumble over that every time. First Thessalonians 3.2. Yes. There are several you know, that I've saved for myself in First Thessalonians. Uh, one is in 4.18. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. 5.11. Encourage one another and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. And then again in 5.14. Encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with all of them. Now, 2 Timothy 4.2. Fran, Philemon 1 7. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. Hebrews 3 13. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And then 1 Peter 5 12. All right. Does that surprise you a little bit the note, to find that there is that that word encouragement shows up so much, you know, in all those scriptures? I mean, it, it's truly part of what life is supposed to be like as a Christian, and the only way we can really get that in full is by gathering together and being present to both receive it and to give it. To neglect Christian meetings is to give up the encouragement and the help of other Christians. We're supposed to, to be in fellowship with one another to share our faith and to strengthen one another in the Lord. And as we get closer to this day when Christ actually comes back, we're going to face 
a lot of spiritual struggles and even sometimes of persecution. And that's hard for us in this country to believe. But anti-Christian forces are growing in strength. This is a very minor one, but this is a case in point. You can probably name examples on, on your own. But there's been an item in the news recently, you may have seen it, that uh, the owners of the Google Home smart audio device have discovered a rather glaring omission. If you ask that device, who is Jesus Christ, its response is, I'm not sure how to help you with that. Now, if you ask it who Buddha is, or who Muhammad is, it has plenty to say. Now, I did read, because there was such a backlash, they have removed references to all religious leaders. So, which is odd. Instead of just adding Jesus, they take the rest of them away. Last year, if you asked Amazon's Alexa who was Jesus, it would tell you that he's a fictional character. Now, they have corrected that, and it does not say that any longer. But you start, you get the idea where you see this creeping into, I mean, and, and keep in mind, this is a technology that we're going to be seeing more and more of. This is just the beginning of it. This is going to start showing up in, in vehicles, and probably you'll be able to talk to your refrigerator and the stove and everything else. So, I mean, this whole idea is... You know, this is probably in its infancy in terms of how it's going to be utilized. Um, and so you can start to see where the bias is. You know, until someone raises the point, they were perfectly happy to let it go out there with, well, I'm not sure how to help you with that. In addition to that, the difficulties that we face in life should never be excuses for missing church. I can't tell you how many people over the years I have heard say, well, I couldn't come to the healing service because I was sick. <laughs> really? That's your, that's your excuse? I would say as difficulties arise, you should make an even greater effort to be faithful in your attendance. All right, let's wrap this. We'll land this plane now. Research studies show the importance of community and friendship. Let me just give you a few examples. Uh, there was a study of 3,000 women with breast cancer that found that those that had a large network of friends were four times more likely to survive as the women that had sparser social connections. Four times. A French study that monitored nearly 17,000 utility workers revealed the degree of their social interactions was a good way of predicting who would still be alive by the end of the decade. A study involving almost 3,000 Americans found that people with close friendships are far less likely to die young. Another study found that 50-year-old men with active friendships are less likely to have heart attacks than solitary men. Despite all of this very powerful scientific evidence, our habits are becoming more and more solitary. Since the late 1980s, according to surveys in the United States, Europe, and Australia, more and more people are saying they feel isolated 
and lonely. And if I were to put that another way, I would say we are becoming more and more like zebras wandering off by ourselves. So in the immortal words of a recent DirecTV commercial, don't be that guy. <laughs> Can you kind of hear the voiceover for this? It would go something like this. This guy didn't know the first rule of the safari, which is always stay with the group. As a result, he wandered away from his friends and was eaten by a lion. Don't be that guy. Make coming to church every Sunday a priority. And, and as I've said, I think a couple of times, I'm sure Mark is going to go more into this next week, but this full expression of every spiritual gift that we talk about in our vision can't happen unless every person has that gift, and we know that means every believer, and is here expressing it. And I would add, make joining and attending a small group a priority as well. You see, we should be seeing the full expression of every spiritual gift in our small groups. Maybe even more so than here on Sunday. Because that's supposed to be the, the, the perfect place to try these things out. You're with friends. You're with folks that love you and, and you have gotten to know you. And so you can go there and you can say... You know, I think I've got, you know, I think God wants to say this to you. And, you know, it's their responsibility to pray about it and see if that really is true. And it may not be. But the fact is you're stepping out and you're, you're trying to exercise those spiritual muscles that otherwise lay dormant. And the only way that you can really ever develop those things is by using them. It's no different than exercise of a physical nature. Muscles don't get bigger as you just sit. You have to get out there and, and do something. And, and I thought of this early, and I'm going to embarrass him, but uh, I think he'll forgive me. Um, <clears throat> it's not you this time. My son's looking at me like, oh God, what's he going to say now? <laughs> I would say probably the least zebra-like person in this building right at this moment is my friend Jerry back there. Now, you may not know Jerry. Um, I've gotten to know him a little bit. He was here prior to Christmas. He works for Publix, and he lives down in Florida. And be because of the, the, the newness of the Publix up here, his skill is something that they don't have yet to cover this territory. So periodically, they send Jerry up here to service the public supermarkets that are, that are in, uh, in the Richmond area. So he's here. Are you by yourself? So he's here. He's by himself. It's a Sunday morning. He could do anything he wanted to. But what does he choose to do? He chose to get on the internet because he goes to a vineyard down in Florida. So he, he then comes up here, finds us, shows up. And now every time that he's back in the area, we get to see him. 
That's what I'm talking about. That's being intentional about gathering in a community and getting encouragement and being lifted up. So go introduce yourself and say hi to Jerry after the service. I imagine we'll see more of him as the, as the months pass by this year. But it just really, that's kind of hit me during worship this morning that, you know, what a perfect example of, of that intentionality, you know, seeking this out. And you've got to ask yourselves, how many of us, if we were in a different place, in a different setting, would seek out a church on a Sunday morning? It wouldn't have to be one just like yours, but would you do that? The answer ought to be yes. Let's pray. Father, this idea of community is so important. One of the very first things that we see Jesus doing in the scriptures is to call together a small group, a community that would be with him, that would that he would teach and interact with and, and sow into, that would then carry on his work when he was no longer here. So impress upon us to an even greater degree just how important it is to continue to be in community that it would just become a very natural part of our lives to the point that if something happens and we can't, can't be there, it hurts. It bothers us. And do the same with small groups, Father. We preach that all the time, the importance of that. And hopefully this message has helped folks see that that is a crucial part of it too. So thank you for your word. Thank you for your encouragement. Thank you for showing us how much a part of the Christian walk, meeting together and the need to receive the encouragement of the saints is. Bless all of these, your people today. Just thankful that they chose to spend this time with us. Guide and direct them into the week ahead. Speak to them about community and about living their faith on a daily basis. We just give you thanks and praise, Lord. And we ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen.